Father God, we ask that as the children prepare to celebrate Christmas and Sunday school today, and as we gather round your word here, that we might encounter you and that you might speak to each one of us. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm a big fan of the singer-songwriter Billy Joel. I was lucky enough to get to see him once in Dublin, although it scares me that it was more than 30 years ago. And I remember at the time, one of his newer songs that he was sort of touring with at that time was called, I Go to Extremes. And the chorus ran something like this. I'm not going to sing it because you really don't want to bear that. Uh, he said, darling, I don't know why I go to extremes. Too high or too low, there ain't no in-betweens. And I like him so much, I even let him away with a double negative. And if I stand or I fall, it's all or nothing at all. Darling, I don't know why I go to extremes. And I was listening to that song during the week, and it struck me that I could be accused of behaving a bit like that. In the last few months, some of us have followed the New Testament section of the Community Bible Experience, and it offers a very wide view of the Bible. We've covered large amounts of material in an incredibly short period. I've been preaching one sermon on a whole book, sometimes even multiple books. And in the new year, I plan to start doing the same with, an, with another part of the Bible. But over the next few weeks, we're actually going to the opposite extreme. We're going to spend several weeks, not just in a single book, not even a single chapter, not even a single short section, but in a single verse. And in fact, half a verse. It's often read around this time of year, carol services and things. It's from a prophet called Isaiah. Uh, he lived around the 8th century BC. He had a very specific situation and a very specific child in mind. The king at the time was Ahaz. The nation was facing a crisis. And if they were having an inquiry into that crisis, they might say it was the wrong kind of crisis for Ahaz's skill set. Ahaz, according to the Old Testament, was a pretty awful king. Isaiah was probably thinking about the birth of Hezekiah, Ahaz's son, who against all odds would go on to be one of the few kings in the Bible to get a decent write-up. But very early in the Christian centuries, followers of Jesus would come to read Isaiah's words quite differently. They would come to see that Isaiah was saying far more than he realised. That his words would find deeper fulfilment in the birth of another child, Jesus. And the verse I'm talking about is this one. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we're going to spend the next few weeks in those titles given to the child, which, claimed, which were claimed later for Jesus. And we'll take a title each week, 
and we'll build, they'll see how they build on each other. They give us a fuller picture of this Messiah that God was promising to send into the world and what Jesus came to do and to be for us. But these are quite appropriate words for the season that we are in. Because for many of us, Advent seems more like getting through a few weeks on the way to Christmas. In our modern understanding, with the chocolate Advent candles and candles like this, and the candles on the, with the markings on the sign with the various dates, it can feel like, just, like we're just building up to a main event. But, and Christmas for many is the main event. It's a time when it, is proper, when it is probably easier to get people to engage with the Christmas story and the Christian story than any other. Because a baby being born is a much easier sell than a brutal execution, for example. But in the Christian story, Christmas isn't the main event. It's a stopping off point in the story of God's plan to rescue the world. It's a major stopping off point, I grant you. And I say all this as someone who loves Christmas, but it's a stopping off point altogether, all, all the same. And Advent can be a difficult time to get our heads around because it has three dimensions around it. It has a past, present and future dimension. In the past, we are looking back to the hopes and longings of the people of Israel. That was, as they were passed from one empire to another. And they carried this story of a God who had promised to send a saviour. And in a few weeks, we'll remember how that promise was filled, fulfilled in staggering fashion when God sent Jesus into the world. Advent is a, has a present dimension as we remember that God is with us now. He is here and now with us. He's promised he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, he will be with us always. And we encounter him in worship, in bread and wine, in the scriptures, in prayer, through the Holy Spirit. But it also has a future dimension as we look to God to fulfill all of these promised. As we looked at a few weeks back when we did Revelation, when God will make his home amongst us, when he will wipe every tear from our eyes, when there'll be no more death or sadness or crying or pain, when the old order of things has passed away and all things are made new. And at this time of year, we sing a lot of songs that express real longing. We've sung some of them today. You know, we sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel. We sang, come, thou long-expected Jesus. Towards the end of our service, we'll sing another one, which contains the line, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Are we merely talking about the past? Or are we expressing longings for the present and the future? The answer is yes. It's all of them. O little town of Bethlehem speaks of the hopes and fears of all the years. And if we're honest, our world changes and moves on. But those same hopes and fears stick to us. They're harder to shake off. And I want to suggest to you, our age still needs a wonderful counsellor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, 
and a Prince of Peace. And it wasn't just unto them that a child was born. Whether that be in the 8th century BC when Ahaz was feeling threatened by the Assyrians. Or about 2,000 years BC, or 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. It's unto us in the outskirts of London in 2023 that Christ is born. That he comes to be a wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace to us. There is some dispute amongst theologians. Surprise, surprise. But how many titles Isaiah gives to this child who has been born for us? And the reason they have this dispute is because in the languages in which our Bible was written, they didn't use punctuation the way we do. So sometimes there are disputes about exciting things like where you put a comma. What can I say? We theologian types like to party. So some say that there are five titles here. That it's Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now if you've ever listened to Handel's Messiah, or sung Handel's Messiah, if you're that up there, uh, you probably, that, that, that's basically how Handel uses it. Others combine the first two, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and say there's four. Now sometimes commas are important. I get that. Okay? Take the following sentence. I love cooking, my family, and my dog. Okay? Sounds like quite a nice person, doesn't it? Remove the commas and suddenly you think you've got a psychopath. I love cooking my family and my dog. So sometimes commas are important. This time I'm not 100% certain that there is. Uh, and there is good reason to believe it was four titles, not five. But I have to be honest, it's for the highly theological reason that there are four Sundays in Advent that I'm combining them. So today we have wonderful counsellor. And I love the fact that in Hebrew, those of you who are on WhatsApp would have seen this, I love the fact that in Hebrew the word for wonderful is Pele, as in the footballer. And, and that really made me laugh when I sort of saw that. But it has a very specific way, meaning wonderful, of how it's used. And we see it in a few other places in the Bible, and it helps to kind of understand what's being said here. In Psalm 139, for example, when the psalmist reflects on God's loving attention, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. I can't get my head around it. Or in Judges 13, when the birth of Samson is foretold by a messenger from God, and his father asks the messenger, what is your name? He says, I wanna, I want, what's your name? So that when this happens, we can tell people, oh, we knew this was coming because so-and-so told us. He asks, why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. And the actual word that is used there for beyond understanding, and if you look at the little footnotes in Bibles that have that, it will often say, it's wonderful. Pele, 
same word. It's saying he has wisdom beyond what we can get our heads around. He's a wonder of a counsellor. He's an amazing counsellor. He's the counsellor of counsellors. And we use counsellors in lots of different ways too. You know, a lawyer is called a counsellor. A therapist is called a counsellor. We have marriage guidance counsellors. In, ma in mafia crime families, one of the most important people is the consigliere. The one who knows how to manage their dodgy enterprises. The counsellor. However we use it, it is the one who offers us advice, guidance, correction and direction. He's the one who can show us how to live. How to get it right. A couple of verses on, we read something more about this counsellor. Uh, Isaiah writes, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That word rest is really important. This isn't someone who has the occasional flash of insight. I mean, even a stopped clock tells the right time twice a day. No, this is someone whose wisdom and counsel and understanding, they're very much part of who they are. And there are some people who just are like that. They carry wisdom, they just carry wisdom, they seem to embody it. But none more so than Jesus. And we do encounter this in the life of Jesus. Very early on in his life, he's only 12 years old and his parents accidentally leave him behind in Jerusalem after a Passover festival. And they suddenly realise after going for a day that he's missing. And it takes them three days to find him. I don't understand that. They're a day away and it takes them three days to find him. But never mind. And they make their way back to the city and eventually they find him in the temple. He's sitting amongst the teachers. He's listening to them. He's asking them questions. And what do we read? Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. They couldn't comprehend it even then. It was way beyond them. Later when he grows up, he starts teaching. He goes back to his hometown Nazareth and he's invited to teach in the synagogue. And how do they react? They were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom? Isn't it the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't his sisters here with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. His wisdom was way beyond their understanding. They just couldn't get their head around it or work out where it came from. And years later, Paul would write that in Christ were hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he's not just talking about bookish knowledge. I mean, this is... He's talking about how to live. And Jesus didn't just come to tell us this or even to embody it, but to show us. And he invited people to come follow him, to learn from him, to do as he did, to live as he lived. That's what it meant to be a disciple. 
It was a lifestyle. It isn't an academic subject. And he said it was those that listened to him and did what he said. They were the wise ones who built their house on the rock so that their house could withstand the storm. But those who listened to him and didn't do what he said, they were the foolish ones who built their house on the sand. And it wouldn't withstand the storms of life. And he's the one in whom we find the wisdom to navigate this life we have. Because it can be complex. It can be tri tricky. It can be difficult. But he wants to share that counsel and wisdom with us. He's the one who James writes, gives generously to all who ask him without finding fault. He's not stingy with the knowledge. He's not something like, look, I've had to work hard to get all this knowledge. I'm not just passing it on to you. He's someone who wants to share it. He doesn't sort of look as and go to you, are you really worthy to receive this or deserve it? He's not someone who offers special access to some people that the rest of us can't have. There are sometimes, I'm, I'm always happy to do it, but there's often times people will ask me to pray for them as if me praying for them is going to be different to somebody else praying for them. And I'm always happy to pray for people, I see it as part of my job. But there's part of me also thinks, well, actually, I don't have a hotline to God. You can do it too, and he will listen to you. I listen to lots of podcasts, and something I've kind of noticed is that more and more of them have special Patreon accounts or members-only content. You know, you, you, you pay them a bit of a subscription and you get more stuff than what the rest of us get. Well, there's no subscriptions or special access to Jesus. He doesn't operate that way. He gives generously to all without finding fault. He's open to all. He welcomes all. Proverbs tells us that if we are prepared to seek knowledge and wisdom, the Lord will give it. Indeed, he says, wisdom will enter your heart. It will become something that takes root in your being. In the Psalms, he promises, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with a loving eye. I will guide you along the best, best paths. Is another translation of that same verse. He doesn't just want to gas along on a good path. He wants the best one for us. And he watches over us lovingly as he seeks to get us there. And how does this come to us? Well, on the night of his arrest, Jesus made a very special promise to his disciples. He had been speaking to them of how there was one of them was going to betray him, that how he was going to be going away. And unnaturally, they were all disturbed and frightened. But Jesus then promised he would ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. The same word, another counsellor to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. He would teach them all things, remind them all things. He would be with them continually. 
or it's a passage that's often quoted and we sometimes sing about ask and it will be given you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receive everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will have it open to them but it's interesting how Luke ends that section. He ends it slightly differently from Matthew. He said, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's by the Holy Spirit whom God says to all who believe in him that God continues to be this wonderful counsellor, to us in the present. And he promises that if we ask, if we seek, if we knock, God will send that spirit to us. And God doesn't get tired of our asking. He loves to be asked for the right things. He delights in giving wisdom to help us navigate through life. He not only has the wisdom to know the right way to go, he walks beside us and guides us along the right paths if we will walk with him. And above all, he reveals what God is like. If we really want to know what God is, it's a Jesus that we need to look. He reveals a God who loves us, a God who cares for us, a God who is on our side, who longs for us to live in full relationship with him. But we still live with the Advent tension. For as Paul writes in a beautiful section about love in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, we read, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, dimly, then we shall see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. In the ancient world where Paul lived, mirrors weren't as good as they are now. They kind of were like a brassy thing. They, they gave a bit of an impression, but you didn't really get to see the detail of someone's face in it. They give you an idea, but not the complete picture. That's what Paul's talking about here. And for now, it's like that with us and God. And I have to say, we would do well to appreciate that. I think there are times we need to be a lot more humble about what we know for sure. But this Advent season reminds us that there will come a time when we see more clearly when we encounter, ultimately encounter Jesus as he makes his home with us. But even as, he wait, as we wait, he still is a wonderful counsellor. He speaks to us in prayer, in scripture, among wise and trusted friends, and he's with us by his spirit. He's the one who has wisdom to guide us on the right paths, the best paths. And he walks with us, strengthening our faltering steps as we seek to follow. Sometimes he'll remind us of things buried at the back of our mind, memories of lessons we learned but way back when. Sometimes he'll bring someone alongside us who just happens to say the right thing at the right moment. 
Sometimes he will speak to us through a word of scripture that seems so relevant to that day. I always find it particularly funny is that quite often when that happens to me it's when I've got behind and I'm reading something that I should have read two days ago that wouldn't have made any sense to me two days ago but suddenly speaks really relevantly to today. In all of those ways and so many more he's offering himself as our counsellor, our wonderful counsellor for it is to us that, he had, that just as he came for those way back then, that he has come. In a few weeks' time, we will rejoice that God sent Jesus into the world. And we'll hear these words from Isaiah once more. But for now, it is unto us that this child is born. Not just people way back when, but to us, here and now. And he longs to guide us in right paths, to be our wonderful counsellor. Grace and peace be with you. Amen.